The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey everyone, Jordan here. Before we get to this Wednesday edition of Baseball Barbacast, wanted to give you a, a cold open of sorts. I know this is a little bit unusual, but I figured this was a good time to kind of hop in and give you guys a little bit of context about not just the episode that you are about to hear, but also kind of what we have going on because we like to be transparent with our audience about everything that goes into putting the show together. And uh, it's a weird time. It's a busy time. And so we wanted to just give you guys a little bit of background. So as we mentioned last week, Jake is on vacation in France. And uh, that is a different time zone, as many of you know, or could infer makes it a little bit difficult to, of course, schedule podcasts as normal. But also I want Jake to enjoy his vacation with his family. But uh, Jake and I did have the opportunity over the weekend to pre-record a special episode, which you are about to hear today. And if you can probably tell by the title, that is an episode that features an interview with one Alex Rodriguez. That is something that Jake got to do recently. And we decided, hey, let's just do an A-Rod pod, an A-pod, if you will. And so we uh, built an episode around it. We talked about A-Rod. You'll hear Jake talking A-Rod, and then you'll hear us kind of react to uh, Jake's conversation with the guy with 696 home runs. So I'm not going to spoil anything more about that because I think you'll just <laughs> have to listen to it and, and let us know what you think. Um, but the other reason I wanted to hop on here kind of separately before we get to our uh, A-Pod is that I am in Cincinnati uh, recording this late in a hotel room uh, after I just witnessed the Major League debut of one Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, lucky enough to be in the building for that. I know there's a lot of other big news going on in baseball right now with DeGrom and Judge going to the IL and Manoa getting sent down. I will hopefully cover uh, more of that on Friday and certainly once Jake gets back next week. But because I you know, had this experience this evening, I wanted to kind of at least share a little bit of my experience. I also wrote about it at Fox Sports, so you can definitely check out that uh, recap over there as soon as that is filed. I, I assume that will be live on the site by the time you are listening to this. But yeah, so just a little bit of background. I'm not going to go too long here, but just a little bit of background for those of you who haven't maybe picked up on it or if I haven't mentioned it by now. I do live um, relatively close to Cincinnati. Uh, I live in uh, eastern Indiana in, in Richmond because that is where my fiance uh, got a job as a chemistry professor. And so the Reds have become my home ballpark um, since late last summer. And that's the ballpark I've been coming to the most often to do my job for Fox and you know to cover, cover major league stuff and just to check in on the teams that are coming into town and also a, a fun Reds team that has become you know way more competitive this year than I think we maybe would have expected. Certainly in a disappointing NL Central, but the you, know, the you know the young players that they've had coming up recently, even before Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McClain, who was of course a big part of tonight's win, uh, and Andrew Abbott most recently, they have a really interesting young core. But in general, yeah, I've just gotten used to you know going down to Great American, but it is a, a bit of a drive. It's about ninety minutes, and so over the last week or so, I've kind of been on edge because I knew that Ellie De La Cruz, one of the top prospects in baseball, this six foot five switch hitting shortstop who can hit balls 115 miles an hour off the bat from both sides of the plate. Just a total freak show. One of the fastest players in the minors, one of the best arms in the minors, everything you could possibly hope for in a prospect. And he's been tearing it up in AAA. And everyone in Cincinnati, every time I've been there since the beginning of the season, it's like, when is Ellie going to be here? And over the past week, it just seemed like it was imminent. And because I'm not exactly down the street, I've every day, every morning, I'm like, okay, is this going to be the day that I'm going to have to drop everything and drive to Cincy? Because especially over the weekend, you know, I was watching a ton of 
college baseball and college softball and just a ton going on. And so I didn't know exactly when it was going to happen, but sure enough, <laughs> uh, earlier this morning on Tuesday, boom, you know, noon, there's the, there's the news. And, and I uh, hustle on down there, uh, down to Great American. I get there just in time for the press conference at three o'clock. And, you know, Ellie came in and it's a really interesting personality. I mean, he's a 21-year-old kid, right? And I think what, what really stands out to me about him, not just, of course, his physical stature and you know, this is not someone that has been famous for a long time. All of this has happened very quickly for him. And that kind of shows in, in the way that he speaks. And he does kind of come off as shy, very confident, but I would say shy, uh, but endearing and, and knows how good he is. And and that definitely came across pregame. And then, you know, once we go to BP and, you know, of course, everyone just can't wait to see what what kind of show he can put on just swinging the bat from both sides. And, you know, we got to see him from the left side of the plate. Uh, tonight against you know some right-handed pitchers from the Dodgers, but it is amazing to watch what he can do right-handed. Even though you know lefty is in, in theory his his more natural side, so just an unbelievably physically gifted player. But just to see him you know interact with his teammates with Matt McLean, someone he's gotten to know really well, gotten to know really well since playing with him in Chattanooga last year and then earlier this year in Louisville. And just to see them interact, to see them interact with Jonathan India, I know there's been a lot of consternation about, oh, where are these guys going to play? And, you know, we saw Dela Cruz at third base tonight. We saw him batting cleanup immediately. Just kind of shows you how highly the organization thinks of him immediately, right away, right? Uh, and then, you know, the game begins. And what was so exciting about his, his first plate appearance was I, I can't really remember – you know, the kind of nervous energy of a crowd that wants to stand up and get excited and get loud, but then before every pitch, silent. It was it was a very strange but kind of exhilarating thing to watch. Then he draws a walk in his first uh, plate appearance, which was which was really something. But of course, what everyone will remember will be his first career hit, 112 mile an hour exit velocity double into the right center field gap. And he hit it so hard that I feel like he wanted to go three, but by the time he got to second base, the ball had already, you know, caromed off the center field wall. Hayward had gotten it in and he stayed at second for a double. And it was amazing watching him move. It's kind of like watching Giannis go coast to coast where it takes him like four steps from half court to dunk or even less than that. And that's what it looks like watching Ellie round the bases. Just unbelievable speed. And just it's just kind of a, a freaky thing to watch because he is so tall and so long, but so graceful and so athletic. And, and that just kind of shows in everything that he does on the field. But of course, the story of this game was not just Ellie. You know, he strikes out on an unbelievable pitch from Evan Phillips, perfectly placed slider on the outer half or sweeper. I guess it's 2023. Obviously, it's a sweeper. And, you know, Ellie goes down looking. And at this point, the Reds are down eight to six. And a lot of people at that point, you know, it's through eight, eight to six, probably Ellie's last at bat, five plate appearances. And some people left. And like, I don't really blame them. Like for them, it's like, I came here to see Ellie, saw Ellie. He was awesome. Reds are probably going to lose. Okay. You know, well, whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to hit the road, beat the traffic, whatever. Uh, Instead, the Dodgers bullpen, which has been shockingly horrible recently, especially just completely bungled it. It was a total mess. Caleb Ferguson was all over the place. And sure enough, the Reds come all the way back. They were down 8-3 at one point after, you know, Freddie Freeman had a grand slam earlier in the game. And the Reds come all the way back, and Matt McClain walks it off. I would just say that, you know, this night was was all about him, of course, but they could have lost 8-6, to six and everyone would have remembered this night. Um, but to have that kind of comeback, to have it kind of capped off with someone like McClain, kind of says a lot about where this organization can be. There's still a lot of flaws, I would say for sure, um, in this roster and, and in, in some parts of this team that make me question how quickly they can contend. But at the same time, there really is a lot of good stuff going on. And of course, it's going to take a lot more than just some some fun young players coming up and playing well uh, to kind of build an organizational winner. But it's really impressive. And uh, if you're a Reds fan, you've got to just feel freaking incredible about everything that kind of today meant and, and what it felt like. And uh, I'm just happy for them and excited to be around it as much as I can for the remainder of this season. And however long Ailey De La Cruz is just going to be a total uh, one-of-a-kind player in our league and in our game. So just wanted to share those those thoughts. Hope Hopefully you guys enjoyed some of that. I'm sure I'll probably talk about it a little bit more on Friday, but I wanted to while it was still fresh and uh, while I'm still, you know, technically in Cincinnati, I figured I would share that with the podcast audience. But 
enough of me blabbering. Uh, what you are about to hear is, is one of, uh, I think Jake did a great job with this, so I think you guys are going to enjoy it. But I will shut up now. I will let the intro music roll and enjoy this Wednesday edition of Baseball Barbacast. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that spells A-Pod, A-R-O-D. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and you are listening to the Alex Rodriguez episode. Yes, a uh, little, uh, as we like to say, peek behind the curtain. Uh, earlier when we our first podcast ended and we wanted to bring one back, we were tasked with you know coming up with all the dumbest possible names for our new podcast. And one of them at the time was indeed a pod, which I still think H is great. Um, but I like that now we have, uh, fortunately enough, gotten a reason to do an individual a pod. This is not going to be the a rod pod moving forward, but we are doing this for a reason. I know it feels a little random in the middle of the season, but we are doing this for a very specific reason. You can call it Alex Podriguez. Now, why are we doing an entire Alex Podriguez? Well, it is simple. About a week ago, I got a call from our boss here at XM, and they said, hey, Alex Rodriguez is going to be in the XM studio next week. Do you want to come in and interview him for 15 minutes? And when you work in the sports media world, that is a question that you say yes to. And so I went into the office and I interviewed A-Rod for 15 minutes, and you will hear that conversation in a little bit. But we didn't want to just take an A-Rod interview and give it to you without any caveats, any info, any thought any sophistication. And so what this episode is going to be is about 10 minutes of us talking about the concept of Alex Rodriguez, summarizing his career in about 10 minutes, which is hard to do. Then it will be me interviewing A-Rod, and then it will be Jordan interviewing me about interviewing (laughs) A-Rod. Yeah, it'll be something like that because Jake and I, while we have prepared the structure for this podcast, we have not directly discussed how the conversation went. I have heard it. I have listened to it. But we have not d- discussed any of his specific answers or anything. We wanted to save that for the A podcast, and we will do that. But but again, as Jake said, we feel like, for those of you unfamiliar with the man who had 696 Major League home runs, we did want to set this conversation up a little bit. And maybe after the fact, we can explain more about why this came together. But the point is, is Alex Rodriguez is undeniably, love him or hate him, one of the more important baseball people of all time. That is a, that is a fact. Sorry, that's if you don't like him, that is a, that is a true and part of why you, you obviously say yes when you say hey, you want to talk to Arod for fifteen minutes. And so uh, let's. I mean, we can start at the beginning again. We, we, it's very difficult to summarize a career that spans over two decades with all the ups and downs as Arod's does. Um, but I think we can we can try to summarize it a little little briefly. I'm going to try and speed run this. Jordan, raise your hand when you have something to say. Okay. Please go ahead. Alex Rodriguez goes to high school in Miami, Florida. He's really good. He gets drafted number one overall in 1993. He receives $2.3 million combined between his signing bonus and his contract. And at that point, he is destined for an odd life. If I handed you $2.3 million at age 18, you maybe wouldn't turn out to be the most relatable person in the history of the world. And that is what happens to A-Rod. Minor leagues in 1994 makes it up to the big leagues in his first full season as an 18-year-old, which is nuts. 94, 95, he's just kind of around. He has some injuries. 96, he pops up with the Seattle Mariners and says, hello, I am Alex Rodriguez, and I will be that for the next 20 years. Uh, He finishes second in the MVP with, what, 9.4 war? Yes, (laughs) 9.4 war. Everything that you his stats are so ridiculous. And you say, how could you possibly lose out to someone else in this MVP award? Well, Bad news, Juan Gonzalez had more RBIs, uh, and that's really all that came, and, and finished in first place. And that's how MVP vote uh, award voting went at the time, but still an unbelievable season for a 20-year-old. And that was, um, I mean, he he finishes second, mm-hmm. and then he doesn't win the MVP until 2003, mm-hmm. which is really weird to think about. In 2001, he signs the mega deal with the Texas Rangers, leaves Seattle, and he's still incredible. He's there in 01, 02, 03. He is worth like nine to seven to nine war every year. He wins the MVP in 03. And the Rangers absolutely blow chunks. 
that offseason, the Rangers are like, I think we gave this guy too much money, which they probably did because they didn't spend anything else on the rest of the team. And so they tried to trade him to the Red Sox for Manny Ramirez and the Players Association said, no, 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 we're not letting A-Rod restructure his contract because that's against the principles of the union. Good idea. So then the trade is nixed and he holds a press conference. We did not know about this part. He holds a press conference in 2004 where he is named the captain of the Rangers. This is at the in the offseason around the MVP January. Mm-hmm. MVP ceremony. They hold a presser. Him, Buck Showalter, owner of the Rangers. And A-Rod has some quotes where he's like, so honored to be the head of the Rangers, or the captain of the Rangers, and I will lead this team moving forward. And I think all the shit is behind us. And how much later until he gets traded to the Yankees? Uh, like two weeks. Uh, two weeks later, he gets traded to the Yankees, of course, in one of the more consequential trades in Major League Baseball history. Uh, they also sent a good chunk of cash there. But yeah, the Rangers are like, all right, well, we're not winning with him, and this isn't going to work. Uh, also, Alfonso Soriano, you are now on the Rangers. <laughs> Uh, he is in New York then from 2004 until 2016. He wins the MVP in 03, I guess with the Rangers, but then 05 and 07 with the Yankees. But there is a dark cloud over his head. He is poo-poo in October until he absolutely dominates the playoffs in 2009, winning the World Series with the Bronx Bombers, his only career World Series win. That run in 09, the stats in that postseason are better than you remember. Go look them up. But the whole time he's with the Yankees, he's incredible. And then in 2014, he gets wrapped up in the biogenesis scandal, is suspended for the entire season in 14, comes back in 15 and is like 39 and pretty good, comes back in 16 and is pretty bad and retires halfway through the year. That is Alex Rodriguez's Major League Baseball career in about six minutes. Yeah. And along the way, you know, he gets to 3,000 hits. He gets to 696 home runs. He plays, you know, over 2,700 games. It is it is a ridiculous uh, baseball reference page, as we know, and as you will talk to A-Rod about a little bit later. And uh, But there's a lot else going on off the field as well. Yeah. So, you know, he gets married. He has kids. He gets divorced. He dates Madonna. He dates Cameron Diaz. Like, there are other things going on in his personal life. Yes, he dates J-Lo for four years. We're, like, not going to talk about that. If you want to hear about, like, the A-Rod J-Lo saga, like, there are other podcasts. There are probably other podcasts for that. Like, this is not, you know, Us Weekly. I'm sorry. I can't help you there. Uh, Let's talk about steroids. Jordan, have you ever done them? Uh, Nope, nope. I was thinking if there was some sort of, you know, rash that I had, that you know, like Tatis style. Where No, no, I cannot say that I have you. No, I have not, but Alex Rodriguez did. So can you walk us through the steroid timeline for A-Rod, please? Sure. So uh, now ever this time, of course, when A-Rod is peaking as a, as a young lad in his early 20s, this is when a lot of people were doing steroids. We know that for a fact. And But at the time, because there were no actual rules to punish these players, the only way that they, that MLB was deciding to maybe fight back against this was to do like these secret big, wide, ra- random tests of large samples of players across the league, get the results and be like, oh shit, this is a problem. But they were not intending to punish players. They just wanted to like figure it out and say, okay, what the hell? So that is what happened in the early 2000s. And eventually in 2007, 2008, 2009, we start to hear some of the names that actually did test positive during those years. And one of those names was Alex Rodriguez. And when that happens, A-Rod comes out and says, yes. I was taking steroids when I was with the Rangers. I did it. You got me. I was feeling a lot of pressure to perform, signing the biggest contract in baseball history. And that is what I wanted to do. And he said also at the time, because this is much years later, he says, all my years in New York have been clean. That is when I was doing it. And so, sorry, but that is in the past. Oh, my God. He admitted. <laughs> oh, my God. He admitted. Okay. But, hey, you know what? He admitted more than a lot of guys did. Okay. So, he does it. But then, as Jake mentions, the biogenesis scandal Comes out, happens, and he's involved in that too. And now, you know, strike two, strike three, strike four, whatever. MLB comes down on hard. They give him a massive over 200-game suspension. He eventually appeals, gets it to 162. And that is why he sits out all of 2014. And at that point, again, as we've seen with other players who, you know, for a second time are involved in stuff like this, uh, that's really when you lose all trust uh, in in fans who already didn't like him in a lot of cases and fans who did want to believe that, okay, maybe you buy the story of his time with the Rangers, but in general, that's where you really start to lose credibility and trust in the public. He, he committed like the double sin, the double whammy, mm-hmm. which is one, 
testing positive or being wrapped up in steroid stuff like after 2012. Mm. When it starts being illegal in the CBA, Mm. that is kind of the marker when it's like, now we know. It's harder to make excuses and it's harder to make excuses for a player who does it twice, Mm. right? And this is like the Robinson Cano thing when he tested positive the second time and we were all like, LOL, what are you doing? That's kind of where the A-Rod second thing comes in. And it leads us to the next topic here, which is why would we ever believe anything that he has to say? And this is related to the interview that I did with him, right? He lied twice. Well, I guess he didn't lie the first time. He just kind of took the steroids well, and he right. didn't come out and say, <laughs> was I'm doing this. obviously a lot right? of people doing things that later would be understood to be not right. okay that we're not admitting about that for years and years right. and years. Yes. But he did lie the second time in saying that all my years with the Yankees were clean and then they weren't. Maybe he preemptively lied, I guess. <laughs> and so there, there is a reason to be skeptical about things that he says because he is willing to stretch the truth in a public forum in ways that meet his needs, mm-hmm. right? And that is that is relative, like related to the steroids and is related to other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess now is a good time to bring up, like we interviewed A-Rod in the past. I want to say... 2018 when we were working at MLB and what was our main takeaway from that experience sure well it's just he is a very uh interesting personality to try and interact with in a setting like that and at the time we had even less experience you know interviewing players in that setting and that that time when it happened then we had no prep no like a couple days in advance it was like hey A-Rod's here you want to talk to him (laughs) and we did that and our takeaway then was just like he is just going to say what he wants to say, regardless of what you ask him. Yep. Um, and that makes it hard to do an interview. He is, he, the input does not lead to an output. If I ask Jordan, what do you have for breakfast? He would say oatmeal or s- probably sugary cereal or a bagel, right? Mm-hmm. A-Rod would say like, I love going to the gym, Right. And you would be like, that's not what I asked you. But that is what you have to deal with when you are talking to someone of like an eight. Like he is probably, I would say, a B-list celebrity, Mm. right, in in America. Yeah, that's interesting. I think he might be a – I think he's probably – if he's not A-list for baseball players, I'm not really sure who is. So (laughs) I feel like he he is. But part of that too is – is a lot of what he's been involved in after his career, being on TV and talking on TV a lot, getting into being on Shark Tank and getting into all these business ventures, which you'll also hear he loves to talk about <laughs> and loves to loves to reference when you aren't even really asking him about that. And that is how he kind of chooses to interact in these spaces. Now, you know, to give him credit too, you know, he has after his career, obviously he's never going to talk about steroids, but he's he's got says he says I, you know, he goes and talks to kids that don't do steroids. He was doing that for a bit, whatever. But at this point, he's now in the stage of, I am A-Rod. I'm out there all the time. I'm going to talk to all these people, do all these interviews, be on TV all the time. And I'm just going to get my worldview out there in the weird A-Rod version that it is. And that... But it helped informed, I think, and helped you prepare for the interview, uh, which again, you'll hear here in a couple minutes. But I think that is an important context as well. Yeah. And because when you sit down, it's like, hey, you're going to get 15 with A-Rod. Mm-hmm. It's like, OK, you got to be good with those 15 because you could ask him three questions and he'll just like detour it to like A-Rod Corp <laughs> and you're done. Like you're cooked. Right. Yep. And so you and I talked before the interview, like we need to keep this train on the tracks. Yeah. yeah what can yeah. we ask him where he needs to give a definitive answer? Mm-hmm. And you'll hear throughout the interview, I will interrupt him. Mm-hmm. And that is a bad thing to do when you're interviewing someone. Kids, if you're listening don't interrupt your interview subject, this was different. Because if I hadn't interrupted him for the sake of banter and information, he could have gone on for a long time. But I also think that it's really about the questions too. And it's about the topics that maybe he's less prepared to answer is sometimes a good thing. Because when you are A-Rod and you're doing a million interviews all the time, you you kind of know what's coming. And so you he already has the answers for a lot of these things, even if it isn't going to be particularly satisfying for the person doing the interview. Right. Uh, do you want to talk about our feelings about A-Rod as a whole, or well, do you want to save that for later? Yeah, well, we'll get to that. I would just say, uh, the last thing I'd say is, it's like, I didn't have, like, A-Rod has just been so, like, I- I'm curious what you felt about him as a kid, like, I, as you know, as an Orioles fan, whatever. Like, I don't really remember having that strong feelings about him one way or the other. Like, I knew that he existed, but I, because he kind of came after the Bonds-McGuire-Sosa 
you know, group, I knew he was amazing. But by the time he was on the Yankees, all I knew was just like, oh, he's on the Yankees. I don't like him. But I wasn't thinking that hard about him. Right. And then by the end, it was just like the, all the drama and all the biogenesis and all the steroids was just like, it was about that. And that clouded how amazing his career was, which I feel like I've only started to appreciate and understand now more recently. I wasn't old and aware enough to appreciate him when he was good. Mm-hmm. And by the time he was, by the time I could appreciate that, he was just not that good anymore mm-hmm. and was labeled a cheater. Mm-hmm. And so like in my head, it was A-Rob the fallen star mm-hmm. was I think for the beginning of totally. our baseball consciousness, which is in some ways fair and in some ways totally overshadows how incredible of a statistical career he had. And that's a point that I've made before when we, you know, we talk about Hall of Fame voting. And I would say that's one other point to, to bring up here before we send it to our conversation. It's just like his stats, well, obviously he's, he, as you said, he, he admitted, right? We know there was steroids involved, but because there's so much disdain for him and there was in the game, outside the game, people that played with him, people that played against him, it's, in a way that Barry Bonds has some of that, there are a lot of people that hate Barry Bonds too for a lot of legitimate reasons, right? But I have always been surprised over the last few years when we're talking about the Hall of Fame. And if we want to just say steroids were happening and that was a that was a problem, but that was part of the game, how do you not look at the A-Rod numbers and just be like, holy shit, like his, as we said, like his B-Rep page is also insane. It is in the way that we, we, you know, freak out and drool over bonds from a one to four. I feel like it would happen the same with A-Rod, except nobody wants <laughs> to celebrate him ever. And I get it, but it is an interesting uh, kind of dynamic. He's a harder thing to celebrate and he cheated twice mm-hmm. and he lied publicly about it. And yep. I think that just kind of clouds the entire situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he was on the Yankees. So that's, <laughs> that also uh, does not uh, help matters either. All right, Jake. We've, we've, we've given it enough uh, prelude. Uh, let's yeah, We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, you will hear Jake Mintz in studio, live in the same room, which is a big part of why I was not involved in this, but I'm happy with how it went. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation, and we'll be right back, and we'll, uh, we'll recap. What's up? This is Ashley Nicole Moss, first lady of I Am Athlete, a Sirius XM podcast. All this week, join me and Brandon. Brandon Marshall, a.k.a. The Beast. As we break down the NBA Finals every day with Paper Route in the I Am Athlete podcast feed. We're giving you our takes. Plus, we've got guests like former All-Star Andre Drummond breaking it down with us. Download Paper Route as part of the I Am Athlete podcast feed right now on Pandora, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. I am here with a man who needs no introduction, but we will give him one anyway. Three-time MVP, 2009 World Series champ, starting shortstop for the 1994 Appleton Foxes, owner of the Minnesota Lynx and the Minnesota Timberwolves, and of course, the CEO of A-Rod Corp, Alex Rodriguez. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You were not expecting the Appleton Foxes 1994 reference, were you? That's the first time I've been introduced as the Appleton shortstop. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm glad you said it because it was one of the best summers to be in the Midwest, and Appleton is just an incredible place. Yeah. You know, you you went on to maybe bigger things, but, you know, Appleton, I'm sure, maintains a piece. Well, I have that in common with another A-Rod who's coming to the Jets who played in Wisconsin. Uh Uh-huh. Right? That's the connection, right? Wow, he's good. He's very good. So we'll, we're going to get to your uh, the cause that we're talking about today in a little bit. I want to hop right into it because I know you have a very busy schedule. So, you know, I'm preparing. I'm sitting at home yesterday. I'm like, what am I going to ask Alex Rodriguez about? There are a million things I could ask you. And I went and I looked at your baseball reference page and your stats and going through your numbers. And they really are hilarious <laughs> and eye popping. When you look back at your numbers, what stands out to you? What you know, besides the World Series title in 09, are you most proud of when you look at the the tallies that you accumulated over your career? That's a great question. I've never been asked that. So you did some good work last night. Thank you. I appreciate it. I think the longevity. Okay. You know, is what I preach to my daughters all the time is, you know, we can do something once or twice, but to do it for 25 years, to do it for a long period of time is something I'm really proud of. Uh, and then the amount of times that I played 162 games, uh, as a kid growing up, Cal Ripken was my hero. And I just couldn't believe how you can play almost 20 years and not miss a game. Not a cold, uh, not a hamstring, not a twisted ankle. And that's something that I always aspired to do, to be someone. I always say the most important statistic for any superstar athlete in any sport 
is availability. Yeah. Right. And I felt that even if I was at 70%, I would be better than most players at 100%. So that's why I thought it was important, whether it was Joe Torre, Girardi, or Lupinella, for me to be in that lineup every day. Right. 20 for 20 or 0 for 40. I still want to be out there. So there are a lot of baseball nerds, hardos, and freaks out there. Like I'm one me. of them. No, I, I understand, and I'm, that's why I'm asking this question. I'm fired up to be on I, the show. I, I'm fired up. I, I'm fired up to have you here, Alex. <laughs> um, you know, there are people who know these numbers, these stats by heart. Do you know your numbers by heart? Like you... I, I don't, but I'll tell you what. My okay. partner, Mark Laurie, yeah. if you asked him right now, he's he's like, like Rain Man. He knows everything about numbers that... He would mention if you say, "Give me his strikeouts in 1997," he will tell you. Yeah. So, but okay. Crazy. So, like home number of home runs. Six ninety six. I got that. Okay. Uh, bat career batting average. A two ninety five. Okay. Career games played. No idea. Okay. Over two thousand. I, I would assume so. Yeah. I didn't do that much research. No, I'm I'm also fifth all time in strikeouts. Really. Are you embarrassed by that? I have a PhD in failing. <laughs> no one failed. Only but, four people failed more often that's right. than you. And I that's tell my girls all the you. time that I have a master's in getting back up. So for the youngsters out there listening, you're going to fail yeah. a bunch. But it's how you get up, dust yourself off, and go be a champion. So when I was looking at the numbers, there was one thing that always stands out to me about you. And it was the 40-40 season. So 40 steals, 40 home runs in one year. It's only been done three other times by... Uh, Canseco and Barry Bonds. And Alfonso Soriano. And Alfonso Soriano. And maybe Acuna could be next. Well, that's part of why I'm asking yeah. you about it, because Acuna is kind of making a run for it. When you look back on that season, which, by the way, you were, what, 20, 21, 22? Yeah, 22. 22. I think you were 22. Yeah. That's wild, first of all. When you look back on that year, what do you remember? Like, what made doing that so difficult and notable? I think, like, I, I was never impressed with, like, a, a one-trick pony. Just a home run hitter, all or nothing. Like, I felt like if you hit 40 home runs, but you struck out 250 times, you're hurting your team more than you're helping. So I always wanted to play every day. I wanted to play hard. I wanted to be the first one there, last one to leave. But more importantly, I wanted to be well-rounded. And right. that's what the 40-40 was all about. But it's interesting because you didn't really steal a whole lot of bags at, like after that season. You never got to 40 again. When you were at 30 that year... Did you look at 40-40 and it was something that you were thinking about? Obviously, you're going out there every day to try and win that day. But were you stealing more often because you wanted to reach that mark that year? No, I think that was just the role that I had. I mean, if you look at that lineup, I had Ken Griffey hitting behind me, Edgar Martinez, and Jay Buhner. All right? So I had some thumpers behind me. And my job in that as a 22-year-old was to get on base, hit for average, and in advance runners. And that's right. what I did. Because later on in your career, it flipped the script, where your mm -hmm. job was then to drive guys in and not necessarily move to the next base. I, I want to ask you a little bit about what you said with strikeouts and with small ball. I would mm -hmm. say over the last couple of years, you have uh, become, I guess I'll say, the leader of the small ball parade and a, uh, a proud <laughs> advocate of the sacrifice bunt. Right? Irony, right? Irony. We, and this is kind of what I'm curious about. So your last sacrifice bunt, Mm -hmm. As a player, was in the 2000 playoffs. Mm -hmm. You did not bunt in the regular season in the 21st century, and yet here you have become the voice for the sack bunter. How do you square those two things together? I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to correct you. Okay. Uh, as a Yankee, I think I had a couple, a couple base hits for bun bunts, base hits, bunt for base yeah, hits. Never We're, sacrifice, of course. Right, very different. Yeah, well, yeah. relatively different. Okay, so yeah, yeah, no, yeah but, very different, very different. I understand. How do you square, like, you are Alex Rodriguez because you hit the ball over the fence a lot. And you were better at that than most people who have ever been on this planet, right? But now you are sack bunt guy. How do you square those two things together? I'm you very know, curious. Whether you talk about uh, the greats, whether it's Warren Buffett in investing, LeBron James and Michael Jordan in basketball, uh, Joe Montana in football, Derek Jeter, A-Rod in baseball. The one common theme is supreme black belt fundamentalist. When you look at the best player in the world today, arguably is the Joker for the Denver Nuggets. He's going to be. When you talk about his fundamentals, no one's better. Larry Bird, Magic, no one better. So I am obsessed with process and fundamentals. And I think the world of today, we like the shiny armors. We like the gazillion home runs, but I don't like the gazillion strikeouts. We like rock throwers. I like pitchers. Now, if you have a great pitcher that happens to throw hard, amen. If you have a great hitter that happens to have great power, 
I love that, Aaron Judge. It, it is interesting listening to you talk about it because there's a distinction between what is entertaining and fun to watch and what is maybe either beneficial, whether financially as a player, or beneficial to your team. Let me ask you something, Jake, right? Yeah, go ahead. Jake. Jake. What is more entertaining than watching Derek Jeter win five world championships? Mariano Rivera, one pitch in 20 years, the greatest closer of all time. But here's what it is for the youngsters listening. Be great. Don't go wide and shallow. Be narrow and deep. And the epitome of that is Mariano Rivera with one pitch. Yeah. So I will say, as someone who grew up as a Baltimore Orioles fan, there was a lot better than Derek Jeter winning five World Series championships. Personally, <laughs> I will just say that. Um, That's fair. That's fair. Last thing about this: Were you practicing sack? Were you practicing bunting every day on the Yankees? So oh, 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 on the like, Yankees. When you're on the Yankees, like you're hitting like 40 homers a year, or you're like, all right, first round in the cage, bunt five. Yeah, always. Okay. So every day, Jake. This is a true story. Um, Every day I would be in the machine before batting practice. This is around 3.30 for a 7 o'clock game. BP's at 4.30. I would take, just to warm up my eyes and my hand-eye coordination, about 15 bunts. And I'm just kind of just trying to catch the ball, catch the ball. Yeah. Because ultimately, it's like you don't want to go to the driving and just take the driver out, right? You start with a little chipping, then a 7-iron. That is exactly the same things for hitting. When's the last time you bunted? Like in real life. Like, have you have you laid one down since you retired just for fun? You know, Poppy asked me this all the time. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I haven't. But, you know, when I'm in my office, I take out some of my game-use bats. Yeah. And I think better with my bat. Okay, so. yeah. I, I just love the idea of, like, you know, you, you have this image of, of A-Rod sitting at his desk, bat in his hands, but then he's squaring the bunt, right? Like, you're not <laughs> taking a dry hack in the office. You're... You're making sure your your bunt form is When perfect. I bring my team into my office for a one-on-one meeting, they don't like when I have the bat in my hand. When's the last time you saw live pitching, though? Like, do you go to a batting cage and just, like, mess around? My last game, 2016, live pitching. Live pitching was that. Okay. Because for me, I so I played very poorly in Division three college baseball. Where'd you go? Uh, Wash U in St. Louis. So okay. I was a pitcher yeah. there. Well, that's a good academic school. I we got very lucky on the SATs, but okay. thank you Okay, good, so good. Uh, like, I go out to the park and, like, I play catch and I see live pitching and I play men's league. You don't have the itch to like go to a batting cage and take hacks ever. I don't because I played for you know twenty five. Like years you got it out, right? I, You're I, like, <laughs> you know what? I left it all out there. And for the youngsters out there, yeah, w- when you have a passion and a love at the magnitude that I love baseball, just you got to let it eat. Yeah, you leave it all out there. Don't don't leave anything for reserves. I have no regrets. Yeah. Two more quick things here. Number one, Yankees Red Sox. First Yankees Red Sox series is coming up in in a little bit this season. When you were playing in the Yankees against the Red Sox, it was spicy. There was beef. There was like legitimate disdain between the two clubhouses. Do you think things have changed? Do you think the relationship between the Yankees and the Red Sox within the rivalry has kind of lessened over time? Well, I haven't been there the last six years, but generally I like to say yes. The game has gotten just more friendly. I mean, this is not just a... Uh, an issue in baseball, but you know the Lakers and the Celtics hated each other in the '80s. They would begin to brawls, you know WWE, um, you know like forearm right. shivers in the right. foreheads and stuff. Um, look, the rivalry was real. It was intense. Oh four, oh five, oh six, oh seven, oh. I mean, those were. I, I remember my first spring training game uh, when we were playing the Red Sox. Um, Five six thousand dollar tickets behind our dugouts. Spring training game, February, late February. It was intense. It was important. It still is, but um, I think the magnitude has just changed. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I think I- I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about all these changes. Uh, I'm never going to be the guy that says, "Oh my God, it was better when we played." And uh, yeah, I-, I do think the game is great. It has amazing potential. And look, the way it rolls now. Here's what I do like even better is that they're celebrating players having more fun, smiling, throwing the bats, showboating. I think all that stuff is great for the game. When you go to Boston now, what is that like? Can you, you can't just like walk down the street. All right, right? if I can be honest, here's what most people say when I go to Boston. I hated you as a player. I hated you. But I kind of like you on TV now. And I like you because Poppy likes you. Right. I, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> that's that's the cosign right there. Uh, last thing for you before I ask you a little bit about uh, gum disease is I'm on the train this morning, and I'm taking the train down here. Where you come from? Uh, I live in Harlem now. So that's I cool. took the took the Close B, to Yankee Stadium. Close to Yankee I walk to Yankee Stadium whenever I that's go to awesome. the stadium. It's great. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, 
Has A-Rod ever been on the B train? Has I A-Rod? Have. So this is what I'm curious. If I were you, I would never take the subway. Why? Why? Because I wouldn't have to. It's quicker to do if I could take the car. If I, could, I wouldn't. And dude, if I was you on the train, I mean, that's just unnecessary hassle. It I is. I, I, it's unnecessary hassle. I'll There's do one no better reason. with you. I'll, I'll take you to a Yankee game and we'll take the train together. I would love to take the train That would be fun. You. When is the last time you took the train? Like, it was probably, I probably did it in 07, 08, 09, right before the World Series. Right. So before the World Series in 08 and 09 to the stadium? Yeah. So you took the four train and, to the stadium. And what happened was it, was, uh, it was, I think, on a Friday, and it was the Subway Series, and the driver said, it's going to take two hours to get to the stadium. I'm going to say, I'm going to miss batting practice. So the alternative oh, was we jumped on the train. It was like UN week or something. Like like the, it was crazy. Line. One of those, yeah. So you go on the train, you you, you swipe. Does it <laughs> does it goes in? Hopefully the first time you're not there doing the swipes, and then like do people swarm you on the train? Well, I was asking people like how do I get to Yankee Stadium, and then that was a really funny moment. Oh, that's that tough, was, dude. They, they thought like I was pranking them. I said no, I have no idea how to get to Yankee Stadium. <laughs> And, and and then they were like, well, we'll be your tour guide. We'll be your tour guide. And it, like, it was actually funny. Anybody who's lived in New York, right? Like you're on the on the platform at Union Station and like some nice family from Denmark is like, how do I get to Broadway? And you're like, all right, here you do this. Imagine being there and A-Rod comes up to you on the way to the game. And he's like, I don't, I don't know. How do I do this? That's great. I appreciate that. So the last thing I want to ask you. So you're here today a little bit to talk about uh, gum disease. You were recently diagnosed with it. And baseball, specifically baseball culture, there is such uh, you know a tradition of chewing tobacco mm-hmm. that exists, and it is everywhere. I think it's gone down a little bit mm-hmm. in the last ten years. I think Tony Gwynn's death had a lot to do with it. I'm curious for you, what would your message be now that you've reached this point to young baseball players who are dipping? Well, I think the league has done an incredible job. You know, go to Rob Manfred, our commissioner, and you go to Tony Clark. I think they've really leaned forward and said, this is something we can't prevent you from doing, but we definitely don't encourage it. And we don't want you showing the tobacco in your back pocket because that's going to send the wrong message. Uh, So if you do it, do it politely, do it kind of a little bit underground and all of that. I think this is a really most important thing that I want to express today to the American people, especially with my partnership with Aura Pharma. That can happen to anybody. Has nothing to do with tobacco or seeds or chewing gum. Uh, your teeth can be beautifully; they can look white, and you may still have it. Uh, I I just went and I was surprised and shocked that I had it. Um, for for the fans that are listening, go to Reston.com. I'm going to put things on my social all day. This is probably 20th on everybody's list. My goal is that we get it into the top three priority. This is something that's really important. It can lead possibly to, you know is associated, let's just say that, with cardiovascular, diabetes, and is important to go see your local doctor. A-Rod, Mr. Rodriguez, Alex, thank you so much for joining me, joining us here today. Anything else you want to get off your chest? Anything on your mind? No, I can't wait to uh, go to this game together. It's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be great. Where do you want to sit? Nosebleeds? No, no, let's not get crazy. Okay. (laughs) One of the the plush chairs behind home? We're going to be roughing it there. We're going to have some good chairs, probably behind home plate. (laughs) They've never let me in there before. That's going to be great. Alex, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Great seeing you. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. That was Jake Mintz, my good friend, <laughs> and Alex Rodriguez. I, I, I mean, wh- I know you always give me shit for saying, our, oh, our you know, friend of the pod, friend of the show, our good friend, so-and-so. Can we say that about A-Rod now? What do you think? He did invite me to go to a baseball game with him. <laughs> he did. Which <laughs> is something you do with good friends and with, I guess, acquaintances. My favorite part about that bit is that he does not have my phone number. <laughs> I do not have his. We have no way to contact him. So after we are the, never, yeah, we're never going to go to a baseball game together. After the okay? mics that cut is off, not going to happen. You weren't just like chatting it up for another hour. That's not what happened. I mean, we chopped it up for another couple of minutes, but like there was no let's grab a beer, right? <laughs> Which let's just start with our our favorite parts of the interview. We're not going to review the whole thing. Um, <laughs> and I guess you haven't listened back to it yet. I know you lived it, but you haven't listened back to it at all since. Okay. So uh, I would say on that topic of the, like the fake friend, whatever. And you know, celebrities do this all the time. It's not, it's not like a, a unique thing, but A-Rod again is a very unique experience. I love the, uh, when you're talking to him about sack bunts and you're talking to him, whatever. 
And he goes, let me ask you something. Jake, right? <laughs> I was like, yes, Jake. It's Jake. That's, that's my name. It's Jake. Um, that was great. I love that. But the way I wanted to let me say that moment caught me off guard <laughs> because it was so weirdly genuine. Like he was paying enough attention to the interview that one, he kind of remembered my name. Yeah. And two, he asked me a question. He remembered it the perfect amount. The perfect amount. Um, yeah. I, I kind of wanted to break if he this had into, been like, if he'd yeah. been like Jake, I would have been like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> Jared, J- Jared, jo- what if he had said Jordan? Oh, that would have been great. Oh, oh man, that would have been special. Okay, so I the, the way I wanted to to break down this this kind of recap is things that made me like a Rod more and things that made me not like a Rod more. <laughs> <laughs> Love okay. that. Okay, so but I want to I want to kick it to you first because. What what stuck with you? Because I, I know you haven't listened back to it, but like, were yeah. there any answers or things that like as you were leaving or or after, right after you were like, wow, like that, that was interesting. Uh, the way he talked about not wanting to play baseball anymore. Mm, okay. Yes. That was what we discussed after mm-hmm. the mics cut off, mm-hmm. how he was so sure that he did not need to play softball or play in a, you know, rec league or like take BP with like the local high school team. He and I we talked off the air like he had no reason to BS me. It was very clear that he felt this way. Yeah. And we had talked about like how for me, like when I know it's very different, but when I stopped playing college baseball, like I still needed that buzz. Mm-hmm. I still needed to like play a little bit. Right. I still need to play softball or men's league or whatever. And uh, he was like, no, I'm good. I'm done. Like I. You know, I compete in other ways. Like, I don't need He's that. Like, I compete bro, in the boardroom. I had 10,000 major league at bats. Like, I right. have played enough <laughs> baseball. It's like, yeah, I mean, yep. Right. So that really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. The subway chat definitely, yes. definitely stuck with me. Sure. Uh, how do you and think, then I th- how convincing, because he's told this story in the past, versions of the story in the past, where it's like, oh my God, there was traffic and I had to take the subway to the stadium. I mean, the very basic place to start is, do you believe him? And I think most people will say no. But I want to know, how do you grade his performance of telling this story? <laughs> because it was pretty good. I think it was pretty good because what was very clear is when you asked him the last time he took the subway, he it had clearly been a long time. Like, he didn't try to bullshit you and be like, oh, yeah, I went a couple years ago. Like, that would have been nonsense. He was clearly had to think about it and was like, okay, 07, 08. And it was right. like, all right, this is believable because it's clearly been a while at the very least. So there's that. There's also like, okay, where would A-Rod have been in order to take the subway? And not to get too New York, New York specific, but a lot of the rich Yankees who live in the city mm-hmm. live on the east side of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I think that's where Jeter lived. Mm-hmm. And during UN week, okay, that whole side of the city is just clogged up with insane traffic mm-hmm. and you got to take the subway if you live around there. And so that creates a believable scenario for me. Sure. Right. Where he maybe he would have had to take the subway. The other reason I was inclined to believe him a little bit is that he presented himself as a dodo in the <laughs> yes. story where yes. he was not like, oh, yes, I took the subway and I swiped my pass and I, I <laughs> he was like, I didn't know what to do and, and I didn't know where to yes. go. And I, I think that he, was a good way to do it. He was like, oh, they, I thought I was playing, you know, playing a prank on people. Like, no. Right. Um, and the idea and I really harped on this because it's so funny to me of like getting asked by A-Rod how to get to Yankee Stadium on the subway platform. Yes. Is like the funniest thing that can happen to you. And I, what percent do you believe him that he took the subway during his Yankees career to get to, did he say to City Field? No, I think he said to Yankee Stadium. Yeah, Yankee Stadium. Like even once. Like did he, do we think he did it once? Oh, it's so hard. I really, like I, before I knew you were going to ask him that, I said no way. And I came away thinking, you know, so you're saying there's a chance. I think yeah. there's a chance. I think I'm chance. going to say there is a 55% chance that he took the subway. <laughs> okay, I love that. I am skeptical that it was to Yankee Stadium, right? But I believe that he took it because the way he talked about taking it mm-hmm. was like he had taken it. Yes. So I think he probably did. Yeah. Um, and then again, him saying, let's take the subway to the game together, right. an outrageous offer. Like we're not doing that, <laughs> but that's classic. You know, he's playing, he's playing charming a rod, which again comes across in this very interesting way. Uh, yeah, go ahead. What parts of it made you like him more? Okay, 
So the first thing is very easy. And that is, uh, he is talking about, he says, I'm never going to be the guy that says it was better when I played. And he says, I like that there's more emotion in the game now. I like that there's battles. I like that we're celebrating. Because what I read that as, as I didn't, and this is going to be related to the next topic I'm going to bring up, but I read that as, I wish that I could have been more, you know, out there and flamboyant in a way because I was, I mean, think about it. Think about the numbers he was putting up. Like, obviously he was hitting huge homers all the time and he would have been celebrated, but because he was probably also on the Yankees and that's part of the, you know, the aura that they're instilling in you and we see that with Judge and we see that with whatever, but also just that was the times, right? It was about, especially when he was younger too, when he was doing it when he was 20, it, it was a matter of like, okay, um, you can't, you can't be out there. You can't be set. Like you have to just perform and do your job and shut up. Right. And it seems like he now kind of senses that too. And I appreciated that too. And, and I also think that it's true when we think about people, how, how people criticize him on broadcast. And I love the sack bunch chat to talk about it. I, I thought that was really funny. And his answers definitely made me roll my eyes. But the part about it that I do think is true is that he doesn't come across as, as disliking the game. And that's true. And I think he says a lot of weird stuff, but I, I kind of, I kind of chalk that up to if you're on TV for four hours, you're probably going to say some weird stuff. And I just think that like the job itself, which no one, no average person ever gives it enough credit of being a color commentator and, and saying normal, interesting, not stupid stuff all the time is, is hard. And A-Rod is just a strange dude who has had a strange experience who is going to say strange things. That doesn't make excuse it. But I think to me, I do think that when we talk about what makes a good and bad broadcaster, I do still think he clears a lot of the things that is more important when we talk about broadcaster. He's not complaining about the current state of the game. You're right. He's not bemoaning the way baseball is played today. Mm -hmm. I still don't like him on a broadcast yeah. personally. Mm -hmm. He's not for me. Mm -hmm. But I think that the energy behind what he's saying is not as back in my day yeah. as maybe we perceive it sometimes. Yeah, it's it's a different kind of criticism. But again, I think it goes with just how people feel about A-Rod in general. So it's it's much easier right. to pile on. Um, so I think that's interesting too. The other part that I I it, did you want to, anything on that? Because I wanted to go back to the what's the, the first question, which I thought was really interesting, because this is where all the contradictions really stand out in a fascinating way. When you ask him about what stands out and what he's most proud of, he references Cal Ripken and he references longevity and he references playing 162 games. And you have to, it's impossible to acknowledge that like he probably was able to do that because he was taking steroids. <laughs> okay. And it's like, that is when he was playing 162 all the time. And that is obviously part of why he was able to come back later. And so it's just fascinating to me that it's like, that's the thing. Cause of course, if he, I'm sure in his head, it's like, well, yeah. I say all the home runs, people are like, oh, well, you're a cheater. That's what people associate steroids with, right? But I think that that's another big part of why he was able to do that, I'm sure. But also it is it is commendable to some degree. And I, I honestly would say when I, when I heard him say that, I was like, holy shit, that's true. He really wasn't ever hurt. And what, however much whatever he was taking was helping him or not, like that is a very fair, impressive part of his career is how much he really was playing and, you know, being one of the two to three best players, if not the best player for a ridiculously long stretch of time. Yeah, and it took every bone in my body not to go off on a Cal Ripken tangent. And I'm sure you could felt <laughs> which that, I, feel that which tension. Is, which I wouldn't have blamed you, but again, when you have limited time, it is about, you know, keeping it keeping it focused. I also was in, intrigued by when he was saying, you know, he says, I'm also fifth in strikeouts. Because by him saying I'm also fifth in strikeouts because he knows he's fifth in homers. But <laughs> that's another good A-Rod self-deprecating moment. Uh, there was one, anything on that, and then I have one the most, like, by far the most ridiculous thing that he said in the whole in the whole in the whole interview him knowing or not knowing his stats was interesting mm -hmm. where he was like 295 like he knew his average mm -hmm. right he knew that right away and i believe like he might not know his final rbi total but like home runs and average like he's not a nut like he knows that stuff mm -hmm. right maybe hey, he's a bit of a nut <laughs> but he's not a total you know he he cares about that clearly as would anybody like i know my college era you know what I mean? Like people just remember that stuff. What was the the wildest thing that you think he said? So I need to, first of all, need to go back and, and ask some people about this. When he refers to there being $5,000 spring training tickets for Yankees Red Sox in 2004, I yeah. hope 
I mean, it in my head, it makes sense coming off of 2003 and A-Rod being on the Yankees in 2004. And that's when he's referring to. At the same time, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But that, so I would like to know more about that just in general. So I'm sure we could ask around about that. But the part when you said, when you ask him what it's like when he goes to Boston and he said that people say, hey, A-Rod, I hated you as a player, but I love you on TV. I was like, there's no shot. Like, that's not what's happening when you're going to Boston. There's no way. There's no way. And then I, I will give him credit. It was funny that he said, oh, they like me because Poppy likes me. That made me laugh. I thought that was a good line. But the the, the first part, I was like, all right, bro, sounds good. <laughs> Were there any parts that stand out where you just rolled your eyes back in your head? Oh, well, I love, again, you know, he's, and this is understandable, but of course he's, you know, he's referencing being a dad as many times as he can, which is great. I'm obviously not going to hate on that. But the business stuff also makes me laugh. And I watch Shark Tank all the time too, so who am I to hate? <laughs> I've watched A-Rod and Shark Tank a million times. But when you, for him, for you to ask about, like sack bunting and him to respond by being like the best business people in the world are always focused on fundamentals. I was like, how did we get here? Like, that's not what, what I'm talking about. It's so fun. But that's, that's how it felt the first time we interviewed him too, is it was always steering it back to A-Rod Corp. Which I, I feel like at the time, too, in 2018, he was really pushing as like yeah. a public thing that he was trying to get out there. Now it's a little bit different. He like, obviously, he's an owner of an NBA and he's all these different things. But that was just the way that he can just kind of turn it back to that is, is always makes me laugh. Did you like the intro? 1994 Appleton Fox is yes. starting shortstop. Yes. And he and he seemed yeah. to appreciate that, too. And it seemed like he he was he was, uh, you know, you could you could have gone gone down that road also. Um, but yeah. yeah, it was, uh, it was good. It was good. I think, um, but yeah, it, I, I felt like it, it checked the boxes. I did verify he was right. He did have some bunt hits, not sack bunts with the Yankees, but definitely not very many. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I think he, I think it, it went about as well as I could have in 15 minutes. I'm, yeah. I'm very proud of you. I appreciate, I appreciate you, uh, making this happen. And, and of course, thank you to everyone involved for making this happen, which is maybe the last place to end, which is an important thing to understand about how, interview, how most interviews in these situations work, which is of course that he's promoting a cause, which is fine. This is good. He's, you know, wants to promote gum disease awareness. That's good. That is obviously an important issue. Uh, but it was like, if you're not familiar, like if you ever watch like during Super Bowl week, you know, radio row, like that's how these things happen. So if you're yeah. like the, the A-Rod was not requesting to come on baseball bar, because he's going to go around talking about <laughs> what his, is important to him and he's getting paid to talk about. And then he will also talk to you about baseball for 15 minutes. That's how, that's how it works. <laughs> there you go. That's how the sausage is made. If you don't like it, well, uh, you go listen to another <laughs> baseball podcast. I don't know what to tell you. And like, yeah, I, I guess I'll finish like, when we get this offer, we really didn't want to just drop a 15 minute A-Rod interview into your feed with like no thought or explanation or investigation. Right. We really wanted this to feel genuine and open and real. And because he is not those things, he is not like I think we learned some things about A-Rod mm -hmm. in this interview. I think we also didn't. And I come away being like A-Rod is still a robot <laughs> and he is a robot because at 18 he was given all this money and like. He became this thing and everyone always told him he was the greatest. And he, you know what? He was. That's yep. the other thing is like, oh, he's self-involved. Uh, I would be too if I hit <laughs> 696 home runs. If like I I'd be a little self-involved. one of, at worst, the five most talented players we've ever right. seen. Yes, I would say I'm, that I would maybe be thinking I was pretty cool yes. and smart and good at stuff. And I'm not justifying the way that he always acts. I'm just saying it, you got to understand like that's why we're here. And so the opportunity to get to sit down and talk to him was certainly interesting. Mm -hmm. He, he's not going to officiate my wedding. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, or your wedding. No, no, but I don't think so. We, I hope you learned something here today, Jordan. And I hope you, the listeners learned something. Yeah. Here today. And, and I, and it's, it's cool to, to have us this opportunity to talk to him because as, as I started this whole podcast off with like, whether you like him or not, he is he's not going anywhere, folks. Like Aaron is gonna be a part of our baseball lives no matter what. Um, and that's not gonna change. And I am genuinely fascinated to see how, if at all, that changes as as time goes on. If 
by him getting into other stuff, if he does get back into baseball in some sort of official way, what that looks like. And if time heals, if eventually by the end of his time in the Hall of Fame ballot, voters are just like, ah, fuck it. These numbers are awesome. Here you go. You're in. Like all these things are interesting about him. And so any opportunity to kind of get a tiny, tiny, tiny glimpse, I think is worthwhile. And and we hope everybody enjoyed it. Jordan, what is one last final fun, favorite, odd, notable A-Rod thing that's on your brain? Oh man. Um I uh I like that he knew that Washi was a good school. That that made me laugh. Um it hurt it doesn't seem like he knew they had a baseball team, but he was like, oh, good academic school. Um and I think too, just like I, I like that he uh mentioned Acuna. He mentioned Acuna before you did, right? So yeah, listen, A Rod's A Rod's watching ball. We know that. He he's aware of of when guys are, are doing special stuff. Um, and, and there is part of me that wishes we could have spent more time getting his look on the very, very modern game. But I think it was a good glimpse. And, uh, and yeah. like I said, he's he's going to be he's going to keep a rotting and we're going to keep a potting. A uh, Jordan. Well said. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening to this edition of Baseball Overcast. Thank you to uh, Christopher Tyler for producing and editing. Thank you to everyone involved with uh, setting up the A-Rod interview. And of course, A-Rod himself. This has been a pod. We will be back on Friday. I will be back on Friday. Jake probably won't be, but he'll be back soon. Uh, But thank you all for listening to this. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of the A-Pod. Maybe we'll we'll read some of those emails if people do have strong feelings about it. Uh, But looking forward to to all those responses. And yeah, hope you guys enjoyed. And, And Jake, send us out. It's a pod from a pod. Serious XM Podcasts.